You may be a stranger to church and to what uh, the Christian church believes. You've already heard tonight something of uh, what the man Jesus Christ has done in the lives of three people who have come to testify to that. So we're going to read some words uh, spoken from that man Jesus Christ who lived on earth uh, some 2,000 years ago. So if you would turn with me please in the Bibles. If you haven't brought a Bible with you, there are Bibles distributed throughout the church in the back of the pews. Take one of those, and um, if you turn to page number 971, uh, or to Matthew 7, and we'll begin to read at verse 13. Matthew's Gospel is one of four Gospel accounts, one of four good news accounts of writers who wrote down... uh, something of the life of Jesus Christ when he was here on earth. Matthew was one of the disciples, and he writes for us, uh, recording a sermon, actually, that Jesus preached uh, quite early on in his three years of earthly ministry. So, at Matthew 7, verse 13, uh, Jesus is the one who is speaking. Matthew is the one who records the words for us. He says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, And broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes, or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus by their fruit you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will say, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Amen. This is God's word. Uh, We believe in this church that uh, God inspired the Bible to be written down by men of old. Some 44 authors over a period of 1400 years recorded both the Old and the New Testament for us, and we believe every word to be uh, God's inspired word. that gives us direction for life. And uh, my sermon is called The Road to Life. And so by way of introduction, let's think about getting instructions. The, the story is told of, a, tra- of a, a tourist who's traveling throughout Ireland. Now, I mentioned uh, this, this introduction to a friend of mine during the week, and he said, Is this one of these uh, unpolitically correct, maybe racially motivated uh, things that you're about to say? Uh, It's very difficult to get away from the subject unless I say there was a man from Derbyshire called Paddy. Um, So so bear with me, and and there's no no harm intended uh, to your nationality by what I'm about to say. But the story's told of a tourist traveling throughout Ireland on his holidays. Uh, Uncertain of his route, he inquires of a local farmer. What is the quickest way to get to Dublin? Uh, The farmer uh, asked back, Are you going by car or on foot? By car, the tourist replied. That is definitely the quickest way, the farmer confirmed. (laughs) I wonder if you've ever asked for directions. Well, obviously not if you're a man. I I take that as read. 
uh, what is that about, actually? You know, what is it with those guys that we just will not ask for directions? Uh, maybe that's another sermon somewhere for us. But finding your way around Edinburgh just now, uh, if, particularly if you're a visitor, is a tad confusing, to say the least it is, for those of us who consider ourselves locals as well. But um, if you think it's bad now, just wait for the summer season and the festival. And until that gets underway, you really want to get out of Edinburgh for uh, August and September, I should have thought. Anyway, uh, you ask for directions. You're driving, you're walking, you're cycling, whatever. And having been given a confusing amount of information, the person giving the direction usually assures you towards the end of their directions that you can't miss it. How many of us have heard that? It's, 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 and you can't miss it. Well, what about the road to life? Our reading comes from the final part of what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has been preaching. Uh, He's covered some major themes. Indeed, uh, I think there are somewhere about 20 major points. It's been interesting for the PowerPoint in that day. In Jesus' sermon, there have been many more sub-points. Now, the final part, the conclusion, if you will, just before the end, finally, uh, illustration, he talked where he talks about the wise and the foolish builder. Jesus gives his followers these three warnings. He says, first of all, don't miss the way to life. That's in verses 13 and 14. In verses 15 to 20, he says, beware of false prophets. And in the final three verses, he says, beware of self-deception. And then the sermon, Jesus' sermon ends with a parable and a testimony as to how Jesus was thought of by the crowds. Now, the first exhortation, don't miss the way to life, is going to be our text for tonight. So I'm only preaching on one point, but there'll be three sub-points, if you know what I mean. Matthew 7, verses 13 through 14. Let's reread these words. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Uh, There's a paraphrased version of the Bible, um, and I found it very helpful to read uh, from the message. Listen to what the the person who paraphrased these words uh, says there. He says, don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with sure fire easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires total attention. And so here, in our uh, text, in these few verses in Matthew 7, 13 through 14, there are two roads pictured. One is entered through a wide gate, And it is a broad road. And the destination, Jesus says, is destruction. The other is entered through a small gate. um, And the way is narrow. But Jesus says that the end of that is life. And now Luke's account is even stronger. Luke is another gospel writer. And he he writes about the same uh, words that Jesus spoke. And in Luke 13 and verse 24, he says, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter it and will not be able to. So not only he's saying that it's it's difficult to get in, he's saying there that many will actually try and fail to get through that narrow door. Again, in the message, I find it helpful just to expand on, on that thoughts. Whether few or many is none of your business. Put your mind 
uh, on your life with God. The way to life to God is very uh, vigorous and requires your total attention. A lot of you are going to assume that you'll sit down to God's salvation banquet just because you've been hanging around the neighborhood all your lives. And uh, again, we've heard testimony to that tonight, that people who have been brought up in church just assumed that that's all there was to this life that we call uh, Christianity, that we call salvation. Now, why would Jesus warn his disciples about the danger of missing the way to life? Surely, once you're saved, you're always saved forever. But remember, one of the disciples that Jesus had already chosen, that was with him all the time, a man called Judas Iscariot, uh, although he was with Jesus, listening to him, and actually doing things that we would uh, classify as ministry, he was preaching the gospel, uh, he was healing the sick, he was involved in going out and expanding uh, the kingdom of God. But it turns out that at the end of his life, he's not actually entered the way into life. And in that larger group of followers, listening to Jesus on that day, there were doubtless many others in the same position. Now, the way to life, as we've already heard, it's not entered by birth or church membership or by any ceremony. You might have been baptized, confirmed, brought up in a Christian home, be a loyal, devoted member of the church, but none of these, per se, is the way to life. They can, of course, be very helpful means of assisting us to come to the place where we discover the way to life. Equally, of course, they can sadly be a means of confusion and possibly even a hindrance to people becoming true followers of Jesus. Now, Jesus' warning uh, to us to be careful, uh, he's warning us that we to be careful that no one, either ourselves or others, deceive us concerning our true spiritual condition. And so Jesus calls for us to make a decision. Uh, Let's look at the basis of that decision. The Sermon on the Mount uh, has been all about um, Jesus' teaching for the basis, uh, not for uh, sort of conversation starters or topics for dialogue. Jesus' aim is very practical. He wants people to miss destruction and to find life. His sermon in the Sermon on the Mount has been about having the right attitudes which will result in persecution and gross misunderstanding by those who don't believe, uh, from which will flow the correct moral behavior of the highest quality. Now, his followers will influence their world and be generously benevolent, not only to the poor and needy, but also to their enemies and to those who openly uh, seek to harm them. Now, of course, no one in his or her own strength can live like this. And that's why Jesus stresses, therefore, the need For this decision, enter it, he says. Strive to enter this way of life that is so untypical of the way that men and women live if left to their own desires. And that's the basis for making this decision that you can't live this life in your own strength. It's impossible. And there's an urgency and a need for making that decision. It's not that this decision should be put off until it suits us better. Jesus is stressing there's an urgent need to address it now. A theme that Paul the Apostle picks up in his second letter to the church in Corinth. In verse 6, second part of verse 2, he says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And so as you hear the testimony in this place tonight, and as you hear God's word preached, Uh, Maybe you think, well, it's one of these things that, yep, I've been touched by that, I've been moved by that, I won't do anything about it tonight, I'll go away and I'll think about it. Now is the day of salvation. And not only is that important of what's happening now, 
But it's important of what will happen in the future. Romans 14 and 12 says, So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. You know, there is no escaping our moral responsibility. Now, of course, in order to have moral responsibility, you need to believe in a morally superior being to that of yourselves. And that's why we believe in God. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. God come in flesh and lived among us. And he's the one who is the perfect standard for all of us. And where there is that light, men have no excuse for walking in darkness. There's no escape for willful ignorance, nor in blaming others, nor in blaming God. Where he has shown us the way, our obligation is to walk in it. No excuses, no reprieves, no shortcuts, no second options. Everyone has to choose. But you know, this is not a choice based on luck or random chance. Jesus describes for us, then, these two roads. There are two roads. The one leads to life, and the other leads to destruction. The general picture is this. There are two gates. There are two roads. There are two crowds. There are two destinations. You enter through one of them. You travel along one of them. You're part of one of them, and you end up at one of them. So let's consider, first of all, that broad road. This is entered by the wide gate, and it's very inviting. The broad road is spacious. It's accommodating for the vast crowd with all their baggage to travel as they wish. There are basically no rules there. You do whatever pleases yourself. Now, the narrow road, on the other hand, is both difficult to find And it's also very restrictive to travel along. Some of you might say, well, Rodney, if you preach a message in Christianity that says that life is easy, that I'll have everything going very well for me from now on, and that uh, all all I need to hear is that God loves me, and that's the message, I'm afraid to tell you that that's got very little to do, other than the fact that God does love you, uh, with the real Christian message. The Christian message is really one that is very restrictive. In verse 13, the, narrow, uh, the word narrow in the original Greek word is the word stenos, which means uh, narrow in the sense of straight. Not as in the straight and narrow as in going you know, straight forward. Uh, those of you who have uh, some uh, familiarization with, with nautical terms will know that a straight um, is, is a, a narrow passageway that allows the, the seafarer to travel from one section of the ocean to another. It's normally treacherous. It's, it's never straightforward. It, it twists and it bends and it follows uh, headland, headland um, uh, formations. That's the word here, that that's the road that the Christian is called to travel along. So that's the one meaning of the word narrow. But in verse 14, uh, although we don't translate it as such in an English translation of the Bible, uh, written originally in the Greek language, The word narrow in verse 14 is a different word. It's the word phlebo. uh, And it translates as trouble or afflicted or to suffer tribulation. So what Jesus is saying is that, that you've got to strive to enter this constrained, hard, persecuted lifestyle. That's the Christian message. This is no easy road. This is no easy option. This is not something that as, as the, the, the paraphraser of the Bible in the message says, you can practice in your spare time. 
This is a call from that life of doing whatever you want to doing exactly and precisely what God wants you to do. So you bring both these meanings together, and we understand that discipleship, in other words, following Jesus, is restrictive because it is the way of persecution and opposition. Uh, One commentator that I read during the week said, there is an absolute reality that if you're a Christian and you've never faced or aren't facing opposition in hard times, then the likelihood is that you're not really a Christian. Because while God loves you, the world hates you. While what we have is good news, the world sees it as very bad news and wants to oppose it until that point where individuals and where societies come to accept it and embrace it as the truth for themselves. Consider Acts 14 and verse 22 following. The the writer there, the apostle, says we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Now these two roads, these ways of life, run in opposite directions. They don't run in parallel. You can't be on both roads at the same time. You're either on one or the other. And maybe that's a challenge for uh, some people here tonight. You're trying to live uh, doing whatever you please, but trying to be a Christian at the same time. Can't be done. It goes contrary to all that God would teach in His Word. You, can't, you can only be on the one or on the other. Now, of course, we're talking about two ways of living. The one way that leads to heaven, and the other way that leads to hell. These are the two destinations. There are only two roads in life. And if you're not on the one, then you're definitely on the other. Now, you may be able to kid yourself and others about which one you're on, but God knows for real, and you can't kid Him. Some years ago, during a holiday in Canada, uh, Jeanette, my wife, and I came across this sign in a canyon uh, known as Hell's Gate. It says, turn around at Hell's Gate. It's a real road sign. It's not something that was in the side of a church, as somebody thought it might be. Um, I commented then that it was a sermon to every passing motorist. Now, it's the very same warning that Jesus is giving with very clear and specific direction. He says, if you're not on the straight and the narrow way that leads to life. You're on the broad road that leads to destruction. And that's really the message that we want to bring to you tonight. That if you're not on the road that's leading to God and to eternity and to heaven, then very um, somberly and sadly, the warning is to you from God's word itself that you're on the broad road of doing whatever you please and whatever pleases you. But the final destination is destruction. Away from God forever and eternity in hell. Now, Jesus is warning his followers, but he says, um, get yourself on that road. Get on that narrow road, but also beware of drifting into the wrong lane once you're on it. See, the road that leads to destruction is so broad that you simply can't miss it. You really cannot miss that one. You don't have to try to find it. You're on it already. You don't have to try to stay on it. You can't get off it. It's difficult unless you find the way into the narrow road. Don't worry about how you travel on it. There are no real rules. There are no road markings. There are no traffic police. There's, uh, every feeder road will get you onto it sooner or later. You won't need instructions to look for it. It's filled with people who do what comes naturally. They just drift aimlessly. It drifts down, and the longer you stay on it, the harder it is to see the reality of another way. You know, statistically, we know in the church that 80% of people who put their faith in Jesus Christ and come to be a follower of Jesus, do so when they're under the age of 20 years. The older you get, the harder it is, because you've been on that road that leads to destruction for so long. 
It's just so hard to turn back. It's just what you're used to. Maybe as a child, maybe as a young person, you heard of of the need to get your life right with God, but you remained on that road of pleasing yourself. And now it's harder for you. But tonight, even tonight, there is an opportunity still to find that narrow way that leads to life. So let's not delay getting into the lane or making the wrong decision. If you've not given your heart to God, then you thus far have decided against Him. It's not that you're putting off making the decision. You're already deciding not to trust. There are only two ways. Neglect will never get you on the right road. You're not just preparing to live. You are living now, and if it's not for Jesus, then you're on that broad road that takes you away from God. But you know, the roads aren't just ends in themselves. As I've already said, they actually lead to very different specific destinations. The narrow road leads to life in the kingdom of God. The broad road leads to destruction. Not just to be understood in the sense of the end of physical existence, but as one commentator puts it, an eternal plunge into Hades and the hopeless destiny of death. That's your future. I don't warn you um, in any light or, or trivial way. That's the future for you without Jesus. Your life has no hope. Your life has no meaning. Your life has no purpose unless you turn to Jesus. And Jesus tells us how to get on the right road. Take the first turn to the right. If you're not on the road that leads to life, you can go there right now. You have to make an about turn to follow Jesus, to follow his command to enter by the narrow gate. It's what we call repentance. You're going in this direction You hear the command of Jesus to follow him and you're about face, you're about turn and you need to turn away from the way you're living and begin this new life in Jesus. In order to do that, you'll need a set of directions. Here are just three. In John 3 and 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him, that's the right turn. That's the only thing you have to do to get into the narrow way. Believe in Jesus and you shall not perish but have eternal life. Further on in John's Gospel, he says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. He switched from one road to the other by believing in Jesus Christ. And in Acts 16, uh, there again, the apostles uh, recorded this for us. And they said to the crowd who know how to change their lives around, they say, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved you and your household. So take the road that leads you home. Repentance of sin, belief in Jesus, being born again, uh, and given a fresh start in life by God means that you've begun the journey that will lead you home. You're not expected to walk this road alone. God will give you the Holy Spirit, which is also God, who is also God, to lead you into more truth and experiences of himself. You will receive power to help you overcome temptation to sin. And will give you a confidence to share your experience with others. You've heard uh, people say, notably what Kira said, this was not an easy thing to do. God gave her the strength to overcome uh, the weakness that she felt in being able to share her testimony with you tonight. Now, if you faithfully obey God throughout your life on earth, you will one day reach heaven where you will spend eternity with God. So we began by looking for directions. Giving you a few pointers. In conclusion, let's consider more of that journey into life. The road to life is restricted. It's disciplined and it's narrow. 
times it's very hard. At times it's impossible in your own strength. It's as narrow as the will of God. It is as restricted as the truth in the Bible is. It's restricted to goodness. It's restricted to beauty. It's restricted to love. It's restricted to light. It's restricted to honesty and respect for other people. It's not hard in the sense that it's intended to be lived in our own strength. Listen to Jesus' words as I close. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Don't let yourself believe Satan's lies when he tries to tell you the way is too hard and that it is an easier way to follow it on your own. The psalmist says, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Jesus says, The thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So narrow, restrictive as it is, it's life to the fullness as God intends us to live it. So don't let Satan, don't let your friends, don't let your family, don't let yourself keep you from experiencing this new life. Enter the narrow gate. Enter it now. As you leave here tonight, in the stairwells, we have this little booklet called Journey into Life. It's about how to begin that journey. Uh, you're free to take one of those. There's no cost involved in it. Uh, it'll give you some pointers about some further explanation of the things that I've been speaking about. If you want to speak to myself or another member of staff or someone here in the church or maybe a Christian friend who brought you, talk to them about this need that you have to come off the broad road and to live in the narrow way and how to get there, how to find it. We'd love to point you in that direction. Let's have a prayer, shall we?